Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It is a very special Tuesday edition. I'm Andy Barons coming to you from Chicago, and we have kind of a fun subject to discuss this week and the perfect analyst to do it. I am joined by Matt Harmon. Uh, he's the creator of Reception Perception. He's the proprietor of ReceptionPerception.com. Uh, he's an advanced route runner himself. Uh, deceptive speed. You, you can't jam. You can try. You can't jam him. Um, he, he's great. Hey, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I don't know that I have the uh, necessary foot quickness to uh, get off press coverage, which is actually interesting because obviously that's a big talking point with Devontae Smith being super small. <laughs> you know, what is like, what does it really matter when it comes to getting off press coverage? Let me tell you what, I might be 6'3 and about 200 pounds, but uh, that's not helping me when it comes to getting off press because you need foot quickness. It's not about size. We're already lecturing people about wide receiver skills right off the top, which is uh, a good start to any podcast, if you ask me. I mean, when I think of Matt Harmon, I think of short area speed. I think of somebody who is up to top speed by like his fifth step. Um, just really, really <laughs> difficult to, to check. Well, as as we discussed before the show, I'm only going from here to there. Uh, and only you know what I mean when I say that. So uh, that is, that is a, a <laughs> real short area quickness. And sometimes you got to <laughs> shuffle those steps a little bit. Among the negatives on the scouting report, overhydrated. Everybody talks about it. Um, that's the that's no, the, no that's the biggest negative with Harmon. Uh, any anyway, um, often Matt Harmon will use reception perception data to tell a very positive story, a very sunshiny story about some of the game's absolute best route runners and receivers. But that's not going to be today's show. We're not gonna, we're not going to talk about that um, t- today uh, with the NFL draft just a few weeks away. And there's a great class of wide receivers therein. We are going to discuss the NFL teams with the most pressing needs in their receiving core. Um, I have basically tasked Matt with giving us a list of the five worst receiving groups in the league as of this moment, uh, I have also created a list of what I believe to be the league's, I don't know, seven or eight most most talent-starved groups. Uh, but we're going to use Matt's official list for the countdown here. But before we get into it, as we always do, um, we, we have a handful of NFL notes to talk about because some news has broken over the, over the past couple of days. We had uh, a notable NFL retirement this week. So let's just spend a minute there. Julian Edelman Walking away after 11 seasons, he's had persistent knee issues over the last year or so that uh, that are just going to prevent him from moving on. Um, this is a pretty incredible career. Like, I, you know, one, one of the things yeah. that I one of the things that I hate about the 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 
the very moment that a great player retires um, and he's one of these, like, you, you kind of know where I'm going here. Like, I hate the Hall of totally. Fame debates that, that break out. It should <laughs> yes, not be the first do. thing that we go to when a great career ends, right? Like, the the first thing that we do should not be to all over this guy's career and say, but hey, he's, yeah. not, he's not one of the 30 <laughs> best players ever, right? Like, this is a remarkable yeah, career. Yeah. This is a college quarterback at a at a basically a non-football school. This is a Kent State right. college quarterback who became, uh, a, you know, a, one of the, I don't know, is it an exaggeration to say that he's like a defining player of, if not of this era in the NFL, certainly of the greatest team of this era in the NFL, um, 620 career receptions, a Super Bowl MVP. He's got 490 catch seasons, a couple of thousand yard seasons. Um, and, and again, immediately Twitter exploded with the keep him out of the hall debate that I just think is is inane. Um, this, this is just a great career. Seventh round pick. I don't know. Um, tell us tell us some of your uh, Julian Edelman memories. Yeah, I mean, Edelman he might have not he definitely does not have the sort of career numbers as a player even like Heinz Ward who you know people were kind of quick to draw that comparison but like the the career long numbers are just not even close when it comes to Ward and Edelman uh but at the same time cuz obviously they also have these big Super Bowl moments these big playoff moments the two of them do so there there's a, like a natural comparison there but i would say that Edelman had a really great peak for several years, like you mentioned, 90-plus catches uh, in in several seasons, as basically being one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. And that was before, you know, when New England was basically the only team using a slot receiver as a starter. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty crazy that, like, I actually think you could argue that, that Wes Welker probably had the better, quote, career, you know? But, like, obviously Edelman has the better uh, playoff moments, the more memorable Super Bowl moments. Um, you know, and everything like that. But it's, it's just crazy to me that like New England had Wes Welker. And as soon as he went down, it was like, boom, we've got another version of that right here. Like literally same player. The only thing I think is actually different between the two of those guys is there were a couple of moments where Edelman actually played a little bit of flanker, like outside as the Z receiver when they had Danny Amendola in the mix. So yeah. I really liked Julian Edelman. I thought he had a great career and I'm, I'm bummed that it, I mean, it, the end comes for everybody. Uh, but I, have to, I do have to ask you, Andy, he had, like you said, he had this great run with New England. But did you prefer his many year run with the Patriots or the 15 minutes that he spent with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> only on football Twitter um, yesterday? <laughs> I, I, I tweeted that out and I've still got goofballs of the mentions like, wait till August, wait till August. And you oh know what? I gosh. could end up looking like the idiot there. But I feel I feel like I would look like less of an idiot than Julian Edelman would look like an idiot, like putting that video, very emotional, like heartfelt video out there. And, you know, about just the pain of playing football and like how it's, you know, it's basically his body's just said enough is enough. And then he comes back in August or, you know, freaking uh, October and he's playing for the pay, uh, the, the Bucks, whatever. It was still a very funny, like immediate reaction on Twitter. And then when that came, then the retirement came, then it was back to the Hall of Fame discords. I'm not sure which was more annoying, though. <laughs> I would I would love to see him actually unretire for a, for like a day so he could retire officially with the Bucks um, and, and go out the way Twitter apparently wanted him to. Um, yeah, that was that was phenomenal. At some point, and you're probably the right person to write it. We should we should we should get an oral history of Julian Edelman's imagined year with the with the with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That, that never came to pass, but that everybody speculated on simultaneously. He basically, like, for 15 minutes there, squished Antonio Brown's leverage to come back <laughs> to the Buccaneers, 
which is ironic because Antonio Brown is the last player to have a hypothetical uh, stint with a team. The Buffalo Bills a few years right, ago right. that existed only on Twitter. But at least that one came from like an erroneous report from a national insider. Different situation. Um entirely different situation entirely different players but still i did think that was funny the connective tissue of imagined careers i did love um i I don't know who tweeted it out but it was the it was like the only there were only a couple of good edelman tweets yesterday you had one of them and then and then somebody (laughs) tweeted the uh the mic'd up video of bill belichick in edelman's what would have been edelman's rookie year so this is like 2009 something like that and it's a preseason game and he returns a, a punt for a touchdown i think and and Belichick just walks up to oh, Wes yeah. Welker on the sideline and asks him if he knows who Wally Pip is, <laughs> and he doesn't. And it's just this—it's just this fantastic moment that obviously is a harbinger of uh, a, just a, a great career for Julian Edelman. And I don't even like—I don't even get wrapped up in in Hall of Fame debates when they when it's actually time to have them. But it surely wasn't time to have it yesterday. And just—I I don't know. Congrats to him on a great career. A hell of a run. Um, we have we have a couple other notes that we probably need to hit before we look at the the absolute worst receiving cores in the league. Um, one of them is the fact that uh, Gio Bernard landed with a team. He is the guy who actually ended up with the Tampa Bay Bucks. He was reportedly wooed a little bit by Tom Brady. Um, so I ask you, Matt Harmon, is is Giovanni Bernard now the dynasty RB one? <laughs> I mean, tough, tough look. The look only gets tougher for all of the folks that shoehorned uh Keyshawn Vaughn into like the first round of rookie like the mid first round of rookie drafts last year simply because he was going to be Tom Brady's RB1 it's not a good it is it is not good for Keyshawn Vaughn that in back-to-back years they've signed veterans like Leonard Fournette uh and obviously Gio Bernard and that that was even you know they also had signed LaShawn McCoy last year uh two-time two-time Super Bowl champion LaShawn McCoy we always (laughs) have to make a note of that I'm, I'm I'm eagerly awaiting that signing to find out where I can just go right right ahead and book uh book my ticket to wherever wherever the Super Bowl is going to be, uh which you know just just punch that one right there. So I, I don't know this this move obviously will probably matter more for the Bucks in real life. It sounds like they wanted to court yeah. James White down there. It didn't end up happening. Uh, but I've always liked Gio. I like him as a as like an ancillary pass catcher. You know, a guy that. He has he seemingly because he was behind Joe Mixon who gets banged a little banged up every year. He seemingly has like one or two weeks during every fantasy season where he is like the must add off the waiver wire because uh, he's going to inherit a full workload and give you, you know, RB 16 production out of it. I could see that happening this year in Tampa Bay. Uh, there's going to be some weeks where Geo's appealing. Um, this is probably I think this is a better move than trying to draft some rookie for this role. Just a reliable veteran, good in pass protection, good pass catcher. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up some decent games here and there. Yeah, I was I was going to say, I've seen a handful of mock drafts uh, where one of the one of the rookie backs lands with Tampa Bay at the end of the first round. This this all but eliminates that possibility, right? Like, it, that seems weird to say because Gio Bernard is probably just depth and a rotational guy. But this has to this has to roll out a, a rookie back at the end of round one. Yeah, and I feel like they also kind of want to give Fournette a couple a couple of cracks at being an actual like clear-cut starting running back, you know, because yeah. he finished strong for them. There was a, you know, a moment where he and Bruce Arians had that sort of 
heart to heart, like come to Jesus type of meeting or whatever. And then Fournette goes on that big playoff run. And obviously that didn't land him a big contract because he's a running back and like none of them, unless you're the best player at the position, nobody gets a big contract at running back anymore. So it is what it is there, but I feel like they want to give him a couple cracks at it. And, you know, their roster doesn't have a ton of holes. They have, uh, they have, I mean, they're just they're just loaded at this point on the defensive side of the ball and uh, the offensive side of the ball. But I don't feel like they're going to be, you know, really reaching for a running back. Honestly, I I, I did a little, uh, you know, like hot take for our, our TikTok page. Shout out to TikTok. What a great platform um, uh, for the Yahoo Sports TikTok page. And like they asked for just one hot draft take. I don't. I think we could go the entire first round without seeing a running back uh, being taken because yeah. I don't see any of these teams like, you know, even uh, the Bills are a popular round one running back mock draft slot. But I don't see the Bills as like, yeah, they take a running back and then they've just ticked up to the next level or, or same thing. <laughs> and, you know, Kansas right. City, Kansas City is like the perfect example of that. They they made that luxury pick at the end of round one. Cause it's like, oh, we, we, we won the Super Bowl last year. Let's just take this this good running back that I think is a perfect system fit, blah, 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 blah. And then look, like in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes is getting completely abused behind an offensive line that was, um, you know, a train wreck. Their skill position depth has evaporated very quickly. Uh, so that's kind of – they're kind of a lesson for like, yeah, things can look really good on paper going into the NFL draft, but they might look yeah. very different one calendar year later. So do you really want to take that luxury pick of a running back? I don't think Tampa's doing that. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good point. Uh, we had we had one other piece of running back news that I want to hit, and that is James Conner uh, reportedly signing with Arizona. Uh, he's probably not the dynasty RB one, but it's a I don't know. It's a nice enough landing <laughs> spot for <laughs> it's a nice enough landing spot for Conner. Um, I I, I got to say that I like in my in the earliest iteration of my ranks for for twenty twenty one, I I wasn't particularly high on Chase Edmonds because something was coming. Um, and I guess the bigger fear might've been somebody like Najee Harris, uh, landing in, in Arizona. Like, I feel like this actually helps Edmonds value to, to a certain extent, because I don't think, I doubt that any team views Connor as somebody who's just going to be 320 touches. Right. I, I think he's probably more rotational player, um, nice, uh, compliment to, to Edmonds. So this isn't bad for either one of them, but I've, I've kind of got them both stuck right around RB 30 right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. You're right that if Connor was that type of player anymore, he would have been signed a long yeah. time ago. So, like, I don't really care about James Connor from a fantasy sense at all. There's almost a 0% chance he'll be on any of my teams. Edmonds, you're right. Like, in a weird way, this is – it could have been a lot worse for Chase Edmonds because yeah. I do think this takes them out of – you know, they don't have a lot of picks either. I'm pretty sure they just have, like, a, a – they, they pick at the first round, they pick at 59, and they, they don't pick again until the fifth round. So, like – Edmonds is probably not going to see any more competition come from those first two picks. So yeah, in a weird way, this is good news for him, but it, I hope it tampers or, you know, dampens those expectations a little bit. I actually think Rich Rebar from sharp football stats made a really good comparison that Chase Edmonds is kind of like Dion Lewis. Like, could he function in, hmm. um, you know, uh, an 18 touch role that is mostly boosted by receptions? I think that's definitely the case. But he's never going to hold that role very long. Like fantasy analysts and 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 folks on the outside will always want to push him into that role. But it's probably just not what he's best suited for. So 
I'm still interested in Edmonds, but definitely in the round eight, nine, ten yeah. range of of drafts. Uh, I wouldn't go too crazy. This is an offense, um, you know, spoiler alert, they do not make my top five worst receive, receiving cores, but <laughs> they're an offense that I would love to see them take a receiver in round one just because they're, they're need, they got to have more juice in this offense. Like you look at it on paper right now, it's DeAndre Hopkins, whatever's left of AJ Green, nothing at tight end. And, yeah. um, you know, question like Christian Kirk is like, he's fine. He's a fine number three, but I think they could do a lot better in that receiver room. Yeah, Christian Kirk is like Christian Kirk is kind of settled into being somebody who I think is going to have two really nice games a year. You know, this is just fantasy purposes, yeah. whatever, but he's just not going to be a week in and week out player. And those those blow up games are not like they're not Will Fuller blow up games like they're fine They're yeah. You know, he scores yeah. a long touchdown, yeah. but it's not 200 yards and two or three touchdowns, something like that. So, yeah, I am I am with you there because I don't think A.J. Green is the answer. And that's a pretty good segue um, from sketchy running backs to sketchy receivers. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this with you, with you. And just just to be clear for everyone at the top, we're not we're not necessarily saying that these receiving groups won't get better, that they can't get better, that they can't get off this list. Um, Cause again, there's a draft coming up, right? And there's a, a really good receiver class waiting for all of these teams. Um, you guys can hear by the way, about all the top receiving prospects in last week's rookie snapshot with Liz Loza and Eric Edholm. That was great. Just listen to it this morning. Um, another thing that we are not saying here is that the individual players on these teams are necessarily bad. Like we're not here to trash these guys. It's, it's more that some uh, of them are one, are sim- one team. One team I don't want to rule it out. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're totally welcome to trash anybody that you want to trash. Um, that's, that's not out of bounds here at all. In fact, that was what I was trying to tee up for you. But, um, some of these guys are just really miscast as number ones and number twos. Um, so not necessarily an indictment of any individual player, but, but, you know, Matt may want it to be. And, and, and that's cool too. Um, so this should be kind of fun, could, could be kind of instructive and it will also pair well, I believe with some written content that, uh, our own Matt Harmon has come in this week. So that's cool too. Um, so let's, let's count it down from number five to number one, uh, in terms of the bottom, the absolute dregs of the NFL receiving cores. Um, give me your fifth worst receiving core right now entering the 2021 draft. Yeah, my fifth worst. And this actually hurts because they have one player who I've loved for a long time. But if you want to look at it in a good way, Raiders fans, you were second worst on the on the on the uh, list last year. Now you're at fifth worst. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is and it, uh, just I'll actually offer up a couple caveats too before we dive right into this. What's interesting is that most of these teams um, either have a very like a solid starting veteran or a promising young player in their number one spot. Uh, but they just lack, you know, either they, they lack both or they lack the depth that they would need there. That's what most of these teams in the top five, I think would. And even really, once you get into sort of six and seven, you're kind of in that, that same range there. Weirdly enough, I don't know that Henry Ruggs like right now, obviously he's just, he's a rookie, whatever, but I, I wouldn't put him in the same group, you know, as like, I'm, I'm clearly okay with their young receiver. Like uh, the Baltimore Ravens are going to be in my top five again, spoiler alert, but 
I'm much more confident in Marquise Brown than I am in a guy like Henry Ruggs right now. But I'm still open to the yeah. idea that Ruggs can be an okay player. And also, by the way, I'm not taking tight ends in, you know, into account here. So like Darren, the fact they have Darren Waller and the fact he plays a ton of uh, outside in the slot, whatever, I'm not counting that. I'm strictly talking about wide receivers when it comes to this equation. Uh, and I do think the Raiders are in a bit of trouble there. I, lo- I love their signing of John Brown. I think he can be that starting solid veteran receiver. I actually think he can have a surprising year there, but when you go through, you know, the the rest of their depth chart, it- it's not great. Hunter Renfro is an okay uh, slot receiver. I I don't know that Brian Edwards is, is ever going to develop into, into a guy there. So Right now, I'm basically looking at, okay, they've got Henry Ruggs, they've got John Brown, they have some decent depth in players like Willie Sneed and Hunter Renfro, but I still think they're in a bit of trouble here. They could, I don't I don't know that they'll spend big draft resources on wide receiver. I think that would kind of be crazy to do that in back-to-back years. I think they'll yeah. hope that Ruggs and Edwards take some steps and John Brown can give them um, 14 games or something of really good production. Yeah, when I went through and and ranked these receiving cores, um, they were they were my fifth worst as well. So that's a that's an encouraging uh, spot to begin. I'm not too far off. I feel like this is the team that once we get into I don't know, kind of late into the preseason, we get into September, um, people are going to be watching the the Raiders and they're going to be like, oh, that's where that dude ended up, right? Like nobody's going to remember that John yeah. Brown is here and that Willie Sneed is here, but they 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 attract a couple of I don't know. I'm I'm not quite the John Brown apologist that you are, but I have been on John Brown um, for several years. And like they just delivered up an almost 900 yard season to Nelson Aguilar. And I have no reason to think that John Brown can't do the things that Nelson Aguilar did, right? Like he can be a 900 yard, eight touchdown receiver as well. I think he's, I think he's pretty clearly the most talented player here. Ruggs is, Ruggs is hard for me because both, both he and Edwards were we're pretty buzzy players um, like last August, right? People liked him. I, I really liked rugs ended up with a few shares of Edwards that went, that went absolutely nowhere. It, it looked in week one, like this team really had plans for Henry rugs and it wasn't, it wasn't all going to be yeah. just streak down the field. Like it was, it was some intermediate stuff and he had some nice moments and then he got hurt in the opener. And, you know, to, to his credit, like came back, came back soon. Um, but, but, the usage was never the same and the player was never really the same. And I don't know if it's, if it's a situation where he was just playing through stuff all year, but um, it was a, it was a little bit disappointing relative to preseason expectations. Yeah. And, it's funny because some of these teams you can kind of squint at and see, okay, I see where this receiver core fits together. And again, I mean, I'm not counting Darren Waller in this, you know, this equation, this exercise here, but he obviously is on the team and is going to command the most targets. And like, he matters a ton when it comes to how are they going to line up on Sundays? Uh, and the fact, obviously, they want to they have Kenyon Drake as a as like a receiving threat. Let's don't let's not forget about that. Definitely not counting Kenyon Drake. But like so at the same time, they're not going to be asking too, too much of these wide receivers. But I also think like when you let's just assume the top three guys are Ruggs, Edwards and John Brown, not in that order. I don't know how you line all those guys up in the same way, because like Ruggs is not a slot guy. Mm. Uh, Brown yeah. is not a slot guy. Edwards is theoretically Edwards is the one guy here that should be like, okay, this should be your big outside possession X receiver. But I don't know how that, 
how that how that split is all going to work out to be. You know, maybe Edwards doesn't even get playing time, uh, and you know Willie Sneed is the slot receiver. That is totally possible. So a lot of questions here. They're not going to ask a ton of their wide receivers in this offense, anyways. But it's definitely a question mark. Um, I, I it is encouraging that they got so much out of Nelson Aguilar, and I think John Brown, when he's healthy, is a much 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 better player than Nelson Aguilar. That's you mentioned the thing that actually clinched them as a bottom five receiving core for me, and that is when your when your coach and GM are talking about how much they're going to use Kenyon Drake as a receiver. Like it, it's bad. That's a that's a really bad scene. <laughs> Despite the fact that they just took Lynn Bowden to be that guy last year and then Ugh. traded him away immediately. I mean, the Raiders yeah. are the Raiders are a mess, and uh, no no surprise they're number five here. Yeah, an absolute mess, and that's and uh, this receiving core is a big part of it. Okay, give me your fourth worst NFL receiving group. Uh, the aforementioned Baltimore Ravens, who have previously yeah. employed John Brown and Willie Sneed. They have run the gamut of the veteran castoffs. Um, I, I've always actually liked Willie Sneed, though, too. So, you know what, maybe I'll, maybe I'll work myself into a hot take that he's going to be an 80-catch guy uh, in Las <laughs> Vegas by the end of the offseason. So we'll, we'll see about that. But... For Baltimore specifically, I, I do still have a lot of hope in Marquise Brown. I like the way he ended the year. I don't think he should be a number one receiver. I think he should be a really, really good two that you use as a vertical receiver, but also get him some layup targets. I think that was the biggest difference between what was going on with Marquise Brown in the first half of the year and then the second half of the year and into the playoffs is they started to get him some of those layup looks. Uh, it was just absurd watching how much they they were just trying to hit play action looks on on post routes, corner routes, vertical routes, does straight go routes down the field with uh, Marquise Brown when he could do so much more. Like this is a guy that coming out of college, it kills me when people are like, "Oh, Marquise Brown can't get open." Like coming out, give me a break. Coming out of college, like this was a really detailed, talented route runner who I think showed really well as a rookie and on balance had a decent second season. It's just a chaotic passing environment, and I'm not at all excited about uh, Sammy Watkins signing there as the wide receiver two or wide receiver one, like whatever the hell the plans are for him. Um, if you only ask Sammy Watkins to run crossing routes and only ask him to do it for five uh, weeks of the season, like A-OK, <laughs> but that should not be a, a – um, that should not be your wide receiver two or wide receiver one. Um, and I, I've kind of, I'm ready to kind of give up the ghost on miles Boykin, who's a player that I, I liked coming out of college, but like they signed Des Bryant and immediately, you know, were giving him snaps last year. That's not a place that you want to be. Yeah. This was another team that wasn't, they, they just missed my bottom five. Um, that, that might be in part because I, I was considering the tight end position. Mark Andrews is fine. Uh, they lean on him in the yeah. in the right area of the field. Like he's perfectly fine tight end, especially in this in this environment where there's like three or four good ones. Um, I, like Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins are just. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to condemn Marquise Brown to um, to being Sammy Watkins necessarily or having that career arc or whatever, but they, they strike me as being useful in the same way. And this is a team that needs, and and again, they could draft one, but they don't pick until I think they pick 26 or 27, which is, which you're, you're, unless you move up, you're probably shut out on, on the top three receivers in this draft class. Um, So that could be a problem too, but they, they need, they need somebody to knit this all together to make, to make Brown work, to make Watkins work, to make those make sense because those two guys as your as your as your one and two that that just doesn't feel right to me yeah i would love to see them take rashad bateman at the end of the the first mm. round i i ne- 
some might see him as more of a round two receiver. That's fine. But um, I was hammering the drum all like through December into before he got franchise tagged that Chris Godwin would be a perfect fit for them. Um, yeah. Listen, if you want like Rashad Bateman, you want anyone to put up big numbers. You don't want him to go to Baltimore. Like there's a reason all these receivers are like, I'm not going there. It's not because <laughs> they don't like Lamar Jackson. It's because they know they're going to be one of the worst teams when it comes to pass to run ratio. They know they're going to be running the ball a lot. So if you want a guy to just be straight up putting up numbers, you probably don't want them to land in Baltimore. But I think Bateman would be a good fit because he's a quick separator. I comp him to a Keenan Allen type of guy that you want to use inside, outside. Like I think he has upside of being a true outside X receiver, but he could also play that Chris Godwin role where he's running a lot out of the slot, where he's running physical routes over the middle of the field, where I think at this point, we just kind of have to be honest with ourselves. Even if we are Lamar Jackson fans, I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. I'm pretty sure you're a Lamar Jackson fan too. Um, He's not, he's not, he's at his best when he's throwing over the middle of the field and like matriculating the offense that way. He's not, he's always had questions about being an outside the numbers passer. So I, that's why I hate the Sammy Watkins signing, right? Cause you're, as you said, like he's probably more of that guy that, that he can run those crosses over the middle of the field. And like I said, that's a good fit for Lamar, but um, Watkins has also been a vertical receiver at different times. Marquise Brown is a vertical receiver. So I would love to see them get someone like a Rashad Bateman who can go over the middle, run the digs, run the slants, run uh, some of those curl routes. I think they can put together a decent receiver core with, if you're going Bateman, Brown, Watkins, you're suddenly looking a lot better than you're, you know, if you're, you're hoping Watkins is a two and miles Boykin is still a three or Devin Duvernay or something like that. Yeah. I love that. That's a really good name for this team. Um, and to your point about uh, veteran free agents saying no, to the Ravens, I think it was I think it was T.Y. Hilton, a, a guy who's may only have like one or probably one contract left, right? Like he's in he's, yeah, he's yeah. on the wrong side of thirty now, and he turned down a bunch of money from the Ravens to to stay in Indianapolis. And if that guy is like, you know, if you're maybe going into your last contract and you're turned down a bunch of money, that that tells you what NFL receivers think about that passing environment. Um, I think there's a very clear bottom three. I don't, I'm interested to see if you, if you agree with this, but I think there's a very clear bottom three uh, among receiving cores. So give me your, give me your third worst. Okay. Number three is new England. Um, yep. That's where I got them. I feel like, I, I feel like that might even be too generous though. You know, um, <laughs> obviously they just lose Edelman who I wasn't really factoring into the equation anyways, because he was, we all knew he was like not healthy. Um, at the same time, I really like Jacoby Myers. I like what Jacoby Myers has shown so far uh, through his career. Him and Cam really had a connection last year. I've always thought Kendrick Bourne, I mean, the money was crazy that they gave Kendrick Bourne, but I think he can be a fine number three receiver for a run-heavy team. I mean, that's basically what he was with the 49ers anyways, and yeah. he produced when called upon. Like, I think Kendrick Bourne is a decent player. And I always, I've always been a Nelson Aguilar fan through all of the drops and stuff. Like, even last year, he had a ton of drops, but you just care less because when he's catching passes, they're, you know, 40, 30 yards down the field as opposed to with the stupid Eagles – they're just throwing him these like pop gun passes, like little slants and flats out of right. the slot. It's like, well, if he drops a five yard pass, yeah, I'm pissed because the reward is, oh, he would have caught a five yard pass. Great, wonderful. That's really good for the offense. So I think the risk reward of Aguilar as a player, if you're going to use him as a vertical receiver, which I think they will here in New England, uh, it, the, the risk 
has been outweighed by the potential reward as long as he's playing that role, if that if that makes any sense. And like I said, I like Bourne, I like Myers, but they're still really weak at the position. Um, so that's why I don't have them as the stone worst or the second worst. I have them at number three because these are obviously guys like I'm hoping Bourne and Myers prove to be starting level guys. There is still some risk with Aguilar as a player. The money was dumb for Aguilar and, and Bourne, but I think they're okay players basically. Well, I think the I think the money needed to be spent to lure anyone to New England, which is which is obviously you know we talked about Baltimore not necessarily being a, a ripe uh, environment for for uh, pass catchers. New England sure isn't because um, Cam didn't really pass the eye test last year. Like it it, it doesn't no, we yeah. can't we can't imagine that this is going to be like they're they're not going to produce a four thousand yard passer unless they somehow. Uh, uh, draft one like it's just not going to be cam this year um it is hard to imagine that this is going to be an environment that produces like an 1100 1200 yard receiver um so there aren't a lot of stats to be found there they they did do well at tight end right like for whatever that's worth um they bring in henry they bring in smith that is that's a that's a great combo it's it's uh one of the nfl's best right now right so that's so that's pretty exciting i don't know how any of these guys fit with uh with the version of Cam Newton that we have right now, we kind of put together these lists independent of who the quarterback was. This wasn't about, yeah. you know, th- thinking who the quarterback was and what that fit is like. I I don't know what it's going to look like with Nelson Aguilar, um, but I but I don't see Cam as necessarily a, a timing and rhythm sort of passer. So I have no problem imagining that Aguilar and Cam hook up, I don't know, six, seven times this year for, for big splash plays, maybe touchdowns. So I don't, I don't hate it for Aguilar. He's, he's pretty close to the number one there. He's fine. I don't know. Where do you think he's going to fall in your ranks? Oh, I mean, nowhere. Interesting. Like you said, they have a good tight end core too. And those guys theoretically should be the ones pushing for like 70 to 80 targets. It's just not going to be a lot of volume to go. And that's actually an interesting point just about, this top three and this entire list in general, you know, we spend a lot of time. We, we spill a lot of digital ink in the fantasy space in the off season talking about available targets or available air yards. And like, Oh, this, you know, theoretically we want our rookies to land in spots where there's a depth chart. That's easy to climb. Let me tell you what, I don't want any of my favorite. I know I just talked about Bateman to Baltimore. <laughs> that's kind of an exception. Cause I do want someone there to do something good, but at the same time, I don't want any of my favorite rookies landing with the the next two teams on the list. I don't want them landing with New England. I don't really want them landing with Baltimore that much, even though I do want someone to help Lamar out. And I don't really want him landing with the Raiders either. So, like, there's there's sort of a give and take when it comes to volume, opportunity, but also just quality offensive uh, ecosystem. You want them to land in that spot too. So, for a lot of reasons, I probably want some of these rookies to land with, you know, 10 – 12 13 14 teams on the list uh but that they probably will not so here we are right because it's i mean it's actually fine if they get paired with um you know there's a bunch of teams out there that i did not include in my rankings because they've already solved the biggest problem in the receiving core which is to find a star right but they don't have anything else oh yeah um, so Let's put, a, like, put a pin in that because that's the one thing i want to come back to like when we finish this top five is there's a lot of teams that fall into that category yeah, yeah. And like if a if a buzzy rookie lands in one of those places, it's it's actually a great opportunity because they could come into a lot of yeah. targets and they've got somebody else taking a lot of the attention away from them. Um I, I think I think the final two teams, I can probably guess who they are. I, I, I have a good idea of what the order should be, I think. Anyway, give me your second worst receiving core. I've got the Eagles at two. Is that where you're Oh, think I that's not I had the I had the Eagles as the absolute worst. So um 
Tell me why they're better uh, than anybody. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think number one is clear cut. So, but we'll get back to number one. The Eagles, I have it too, because, you know, they at least have, I think personally, two young guys with promise. Um, I don't know what happened with Travis Fulgham last year that they just removed him from the offense as soon as dusty old Alshon Jeffrey got back uh, off the <laughs> physically unable to perform list. Or it is IR one of the strangest things that happened this year that we're never going to really talk about. Like the idea that Alshon Jeffrey had to be a key player in that offense when he came back is wild. Well, did you read, did you read the Eagles uh, story that came out in the athletic about all their dysfunction over there that, that just ha- came out a couple days ago? Oh no. Oh, you got, well, number one, you got to go check it out. There's a, there's a lot of juicy stuff in there. I would, I would encourage anyone, uh, get an athletic subscription. It's well worth it. Yeah. Uh, and for go sure. pop over there and read this Eagle story. Cause it's not, I mean, listen, the, there have been like 50 exposés about the Browns that are way crazier because they're the Browns. But like at the same time, this was a pretty good story. One of my favorite nuggets in here though, we did not get an answer about why Travis Fulgham was just removed from the offense, but we did get a lot of answers potentially about why, you know, some of the coaching staff was not on board with this, that, and the other that the front office had done. Still, though, my favorite thing is, you know, Eagles fans are pissed because um, they went they've, – they've made all these receiver misses, right? Like they took Jalen Rager, one pick ahead of Justin Jefferson, when literally yeah. everyone, literally everyone knew they should have t- taken Justin Jefferson. Like that was a consensus opinion for good reason yep. too. Like this is no hindsight analysis because Jefferson turned out to be a star. Everyone knew that. Even if you like Jalen Rager, still come back to Rager in a second. But like the best part of the story to me was that apparently Jeffrey Lurie swooped in uh, during the 2019 draft and demanded they take JJ Arcega Whiteside uh, out of Stanford in the second round. Whew. When yeah, but. He demanded they do that, even though the front office wanted to take Paris Campbell. So, like, still the wrong player. Still, <laughs> still incorrect. You should have taken DK Metcalf or Terry McLaurin or any of these other guys who were available, right? Like, that's who Eagles fans really wanted. They wanted DK Metcalf. They took J.J. Arcega-Whiteside instead. But even if the owner, the meddling owner, which, by the way, Jeffrey Lurie does not get the credit he deserves for being one of the most meddling owners right. in the NFL. And you'll definitely know that after you read this story. The best part about it is that he meddled, screwed him up, but they were still going to be wrong basically either way. <laughs> yeah, this so, is a long, – Long story short, the Eagles have two young guys in Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham, which is why I put them at number two instead of number one. Like, I think Rager can still be okay. I don't have a ton of confidence in him. I didn't love him as a prospect. I do really like what I've seen out of Travis Fulgham so far. I would love to see him get more playing time. And Greg Ward is like a, a very whatever slot receiver. So they're in, they're in trouble. Um, I, I, I don't, don't love the looks of this offense in general, um, even if you like uh, Jalen Hurts. But still, it's um, I, I'm gonna get, I gave them the nod at two because there's still some youth and promise here. Yeah, I actually, I guess I can understand that. Um, there, there is reason to be hopeful for Fulgham, who at least, you know, we saw him have a couple games, and they were, and they were super impressive games, right? Like his best performance was a pretty legit performance. Um, and there's plenty of reason to to be hopeful about Rager. I, I get it. The other team on this list, um, it's just, it's mostly like veterans and they're boring veterans and there's no like there's there's no additional ceiling to be reached for anybody in the next receiving core i think that we're going to talk about so i get it like that that makes some sense to me um 
this team picks it at 12 where they are. You know, they were involved in that swap with uh, Miami. They picked up an extra first round pick out of it, I believe next year. So that's, that's all good. There's, there's hope there. They're probably going to get somebody pretty good at 12. I would like, I imagine one of the consensus top three receivers is still on the board at 12. That's maybe that's dicey, but I think, um, so let's yeah. just say that, that, uh, I don't know, like who would be your pick at 12? Is it, is it Waddle? Is it Smith? I don't think Chase is available to them. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think, um, I don't think Waddle will be available to them either. I think there's a chance that Devonta Smith could be, but I don't think they take a receiver because this team stinks this roster is in rough shape and I think they'll probably try to beef up the offensive line more you know you theoretically have Brandon Brooks coming back but like he's had injury problems Andre Dillard their first round pick at tackle uh in 2019 you know he he's had injury problems too Jason Kelsey's getting up there there's no sure thing there their cornerback depth chart after Darius Slay is a total nightmare (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. they've had problems at cornerback for a long time, and they'll be. That's like the that's the horn uh, range of the draft. That's the Sertan range of the draft there too. So I feel like they'll probably go a different position than wide receiver, um, especially because like I mean, whichever one Howie Roseman picks, they're gonna be wrong. So I would just <laughs> rather he not. So assuming this receiving core doesn't get discernibly better. Um, this leaves us with kind of a, a Jalen Hurts problem, right? Because I want to be f- fully in on him next year. Um, yeah. We've we've seen that in any given week he can he can run for a hundred yards. Um, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of fantasy upside here, but it is if not the worst receiving core in the league, it is the second worst receiving core in the league, and I think like objectively so. I don't even think this is this is yeah, yeah, really yeah. terribly debatable. Um, so where do you think he'll come in on on Hurts going into drafts? I'll probably have him in the in the QB one fringe range because it. I mean, his yeah. competition is quote quote competition is Joe Flacco. Like, give me a break. Even if Flacco thinks he's there to compete, hey, buddy, you ain't there to compete. Um, that's nice, a nice sentiment. Uh, so Hertz will be the starter. Uh, the fact he can run is really the only thing that matters to me. Uh, you're right; it's a rough situation. The offensive line is not great. Uh, Miles Sanders is still sort of a questionable starting running back. There's just, but they do. He does have Dallas Goddard. I still have a lot of hope for Goddard as well. Like we've seen plenty of flashes, and um, he's clearly, I think, the best pass catcher on this roster. So he's that. That doesn't go for nothing when you're going to project uh, Jalen Hurts. And I do think at some point in the draft they'll add a, a receiver from this class. And there's some there's some decent depth here. So I, I'm fine. I'm fine with Hurts being on the fringe of the QB one discussion. Simply because, like the fact that he can run is is really all, all that all that matters yeah. when it comes to projecting fantasy success. Like whatever your opinion on that is, it's, it is just kind of the reality of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, I I think I know who the bottom team is. Go ahead and give it to me. Yeah, so it's the Chicago. No, I'm just kidding. Hush uh, <laughs> your mouth. <laughs> it is the Detroit Lions, and Hell the yeah, reason I have yeah, the reason I have the Lions at number one, and I think. I think the Lions are clearly the worst receiver core in the NFL, and I actually think you could argue there's a gap between number one and number two there with with them. So I know you're a fan of the tiers. This is a this is a tier of one. Um, terrible. I think this is. A, I think this is a tier. I think this is a tier of one because uh. they had to sign Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman just to field a non-expansion level wide receiver room. I mean, they were in yeah. as bad a shape as you could possibly be at that position. And like I said, 
every other team in our top five here, and even once you get to like six, seven, eight on my list, um, you know, they at least have either a solid starting veteran that you're okay with calling a number one or number two receiver in the NFL, uh, or a promising young player that you can still have some hope for. The Lions have neither. Uh, <laughs> I do not think Tyrell Williams at this, like I've liked Tyrell Williams in the past, but at this point in his career, I'm not comfortable with him being a starting receiver. Brashad Perryman, I've never been comfortable with being a starting receiver. I mean, the damn Jets signed him to be Sam Darnold's number one receiver last year. We saw how that went. Uh, even if he got injured, I don't care. Point was, it was a bad idea to begin with. Um, and obviously, like, their most promising young player is what? Uh, Quintez Cephas? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be, that's going to be a no. That's going to be a no for me. Yeah, um, may- maybe it's my uh, my adoration of TJ Hawkinson, but that, that did a little something for me. It was enough to nudge sure. him past the Eagles in my mind. Uh, if you're if you're actually considering the tight end position here, he's a good player when he can stay healthy. But even you know, that's obviously been a, an issue for him over the first couple of years. And to your to your point, there's there's just no discernible upside to to either of the you know the the two starting receivers on this team. Like how, how much better does Perriman get from here? And we've seen him kind of settle in as a guy who, if he's cast as a number three, can give you can give you 500 yards and a couple of decent games each year but he's just not going to be a week in and week out star um that said this this team is i think overwhelmingly likely to draft receiver in the first round uh, it's a you know it might be a doomed scenario for uh for jared goff anyway but but they're real likely to either i, I mean i guess it could be Pitts, but it is in in my mind you think it, at seven you think they'll you think they'll take a receiver at seven um, I, I think if I think if Chase is there, I think they would take him. I, I definitely think they would take him at seven. I don't know that he'll be there. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know that he'll be there. It would be tough for me to imagine he like that he gets past six. Uh, I guess if the Bengals go five, the Dol- like an offensive lineman at five. If all qu- quarterbacks go with the first four picks, offensive line at five to the Bengals, six the Dolphins take Kyle Pitts. I guess they could go Jamar Chase there in Detroit, but. This is another team with just so many needs. And look, I'm the I'm I love wide receivers. Like wide receivers are my thing, right? Like I'm the wide receiver <laughs> guy, but I'm not I don't know that I would like if I'm a team like Detroit or even the Eagles at 12, I don't know that I'm taking a wide receiver here as sort of that like, you know, I, I think you need good wide receivers. I think you need a good wide receiver core. I think you can compile a good wide receiver core in rounds 2 to 3 if you get the right guys, which is of course easier said than done. And also I like this class. I, I think this is a good deep class, but I'm not, I don't think that Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, and that's not the order I have them in. I don't think any of these guys are like absolutely for sure transformative number one wide receivers. Like I could see, I could see Jamar Chase being a Michael Crabtree type player. Um, hmm. And that wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't like surprise me at all. He's probably he's definitely got more downfield chops than like what we remember Michael Crabtree as. But at the same time, I just don't know that any of these receivers are big enough difference makers that even if I'm a team like Detroit, that just absolutely stinks out loud at the wide receiver position. Like, Hey, you got to take Jamar Chase and all your problems will be solved. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's probably, gosh, the the Dolphins make a lot of sense for Chase as well. So there's there's a really good chance that he's gone uh, by that point. I don't know if I don't know if the Bengals take. Um, I feel like some combination at at four and five is Sewell and Pitts, and the Bengals are a natural landing spot for either one of them. So very very unlikely that that uh, those players last past Cincinnati's pick. And if Chase goes to the Dolphins, um, yeah, we're we're probably drafting defense uh, in Detroit. They have. They have needs everywhere. Um, they have a need at literally every position. So there's no there's no like wrong <laughs> yeah. position for them to target. Um, but it but it yeah. Uh, it, so it seems like that become it becomes really really difficult to imagine who they're going to take because they need everything. And then they're picking pretty early, obviously in the second round. So there's there's a good chance in a deep receiver class that somebody's going to be there. Um, but it really is just a miserable one two uh, for the Lions. Let me let me ask you about a handful of other teams that I that I assume were close to to making your bottom five and, and didn't quite make it. Yep. Um, let's let's start with uh, let's start with Indy because um, Indy was damn close to making my my bottom yep. five. Um, they have. I don't even know who to call the number one here. Um, I don't know if it's an ascending Michael Pittman who who had some moments last year, but I don't know that Michael Pittman is a star. Um, I don't know if it's still T.Y. Hilton who passed on the Ravens, um, passed up more money, potentially going to Baltimore, stays in Indy. He's coming off a mostly forgettable season that he kind of sort of salvaged at the end with some decent games, but not like vintage T.Y. Hilton games. He's 31 years old. We've seen the best of T.Y. Hilton um, he's, he's probably not getting back to that. And he's, he's not a great bet to play 16 games. And then beyond that, um, I, I don't know, it's Paris Campbell who has not proven he can stay healthy. Um, and w- was pretty clearly a, a misfire for that team. I, I liked him going into last year and he got hurt like week one. Um, it's Trey Burton. It's Zach Pascal. Like, this is not a good receiving core either. I don't know if they target it in the draft. Uh, how do you feel about Indy and Carson Wentz new group? I would love to see them look at the draft because I agree with you. I think T.Y. Hilton should be – number one, I think he should play inside at this point in his career. And he's played mm-hmm. some slot receiver before at different times. Um, I think he can actually be a pretty decent a pretty decent veteran slot receiver that mostly goes up against zone coverage uh, at this point in his career. I do think he's miscast as a starting outside number one receiver at this point in his career. He definitely needs a role flip. And like I said, he's played in that slot receiver role before too. I think there's still – in that – position i think he can still offer the team some help as a layup target and as a vertical option which should be good with carson wentz there so he's probably only got like one or two more years left but um i on the on the on the whole subject here i do have them at six like they were very close to making this list i really really like michael Pittman. i think if they don't take a receiver in the draft i'm going to be pretty excited to draft michael Pittman this year and they loved michael Pittman last year you know frank reich basically said he was you know, despite CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, all these guys, he thought Pittman was one of the two best receivers in the draft last year, I think was was the quote. So I'm still excited about Pittman. I'm not excited about Campbell. I don't care that he had a couple of decent little games with Phillip Rivers last year. Like that guy can only run slants and drags and like that's it. So um I'm not <laughs> I don't I don't I wouldn't if I'm the Colts, I would not factor and he's and he can't stay healthy, I wouldn't factor yeah. Paris Campbell into my thinking as like we need to fix our wide receiver room here. A um, couple, couple other teams that that more closely fit the description uh, that I threw out earlier of like they they obviously have needs, but they've figured out they fig- they have a star right. Um, so yeah. Tennessee with AJ Brown, Chicago with Allen Robinson, assuming that that marriage uh, uh, stays intact, right? Like there's just a handful of teams like that out there. I don't know what, from that group, what interests you most? So 
uh, people can read the article that's going to come out on the website tomorrow for like the full list. Some of these other teams uh, that we didn't touch on here, but like, yeah, at because I ended up making a fifteen, like a fifteen, uh, just basically the bottom half of the of the league or whatever. Uh, and in the in that order, I went Tennessee, but Tennessee at ten, tenth worst. Tennessee, Chicago, New Orleans, uh, Arizona, and Green yeah. Bay, and those all fit that same description that. They have an app. They've, like you said, they've solved the hardest problem, which is how do we get an alpha wide receiver? Chicago yeah. is like, how can we get this alpha wide receiver and still kind of piss him off? That's a whole <laughs> separate discussion. <laughs> but like, they none of them have a for sure locked in number two that we can all feel good about. I all of them have there's some like things that you can squint at, like oh, maybe this is the year for Traquan Smith or Darno Mooney has some. Um, has some promise to him. Maybe AJ Green, uh, you know, recovers his old form. MVS and Alan Lazard get dunked on all the time, but like those guys are decent NFL players. Tennessee does not have that. Like you can yeah. miss me with any Josh Reynolds hype. I really hope they take a wide receiver in this draft uh, because their offense on paper is very, very top heavy. Like Ryan Tannehill, we know who he is, and also they're they're changing offensive coordinators too. Uh, so that's a whole nother question. But, like, we know who Ryan Tannehill is. We know A.J. Brown's a stud. We know Derrick Henry is a monster. But after that, the skill position talent is is rough there. Like, we're talking about Anthony Ferkster, Josh Reynolds, and a whole lot of nothing. So they're, I think, a team that is primed to – if they want to continue to be one of the five most efficient offenses in the NFL, I think they have to take – a wide receiver at some point. Um, another old Miss guy, Elijah Moore, who I really like, would be, I think, a perfect oh, fit yeah. as an inside-outside um, guy for them. I can give him a little bit of vertical juice there. Where do you have – this is the final team I'm going to ask about. Where do you have Where do you have Houston on your list? Oh, Houston, you mean uh, everybody's 2016 Dynasty roster that they were really excited <laughs> about? Like, <laughs> that is that – is, honestly, I tweeted that. That's I think, totally true. I think on – like last week or whatever, but that is exactly what this team looks like. Um, and I'm like, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, the Texans wide receiver core, like their top three guys. I don't know. Uh, Brandon cooks wide in. This is 2016 dynasty ADP from June per uh, <laughs> dynasty league football.com. Brandon cooks wide receiver 13, uh, Randall Cobb wide receiver 17, Dante Moncrief oh, wide receiver 19. Like that is literally everybody's dynasty roster that they were like, oh, this is going to be pretty good in 2016. Well, turns out it didn't go well, right, for all those guys <laughs> who aren't Brandon Cooks. But that's what the Texans are running out. Uh, I have them at I have them at seven, and I feel like that's generous, right, because Cooks is great. I don't think Cooks is a number one receiver, but he is consistently productive. That's a mess. But after that, it is, it's a mess. Like, Randall Cobb is one of the worst contracts in the NFL – um Dante Moncrief like I've got embarrassing tweets about Dante Moncrief out there I am sure you do too everybody (laughs) does that was like a rite of passage in the fantasy industry like I said in that 2015-2016 range so yeah I've got the Texans at seven uh but I don't want (laughs) no like keep all the good wide receivers away from Houston because who know what the hell is going to be going on there yeah, no, it's it's all fair. Um, so you're like, where where are you at on Brandon Cooks generally? It sounds like you're pretty bullish on him. Um, obviously, he performed really well at the end of last season when he was getting a zillion targets uh, in in December, right? Um, 
he, he's also never had a bad quarterback. Like it's, it's a, he's like the anti yes. Allen Robinson in a lot of ways. Like he's, he's been tied to nothing, but you know, all pro pro bowl level quarterback and not like pro bowl level quarterbacks, like the Andy Dalton type of pro bowler, but like some of the greatest players in the history of the position have been his quarterbacks throughout his, his career. How do we separate him from that sort of context? Uh, I've actually never really been that big of a Brandon Cooks fan relative to expectations. Um, I don't think he's a great, I, like I said, I, I don't believe he's a true number one receiver. I think you've got to give him credit for being like consistently productive. But like you said, absolutely spoiled when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, the worst guy he's played with is Jared Goff. And like, yeah, I mean, we all right. think Jared Goff stinks, but he played with Jared Goff in the Rams offense when the Rams offense was hot. Right. Like he he was intersecting with the best time to be a Los Angeles Ram. So, yeah, I don't think Cooks I don't think Cooks should be anyone's number one receiver. I think he's a really he's a good number two, which is basically what he was last year. Right. Like even when Will Fuller was out of the out of the mix, like when those two guys were together, I think Fuller was clearly the better player, clearly the one clearly used like the alpha of the group. And then Cooks was sort of that really solid number two receiver for them. So I don't know. I mean, he's like consensus wide receiver 34 this year. In drafts, that's he's probably a value there based on the volume that he's going to get. But again, with Deshaun, I don't think Deshaun Watson's playing this year. Uh, and I'm like, are 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 we really drafting Terod Taylor's number one receiver? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. No, it's it's I true. I I don't know. I think there's a I think there's a real chance that Brandon Cooks ends up at a at a really weird spot on the all time receiving list, like in terms of receptions and yardage, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's already had so many. What, what has he had? Like five thousand yard or eleven hundred yard seasons. Like he's gonna he's gonna end up in a weird spot on a bunch of all time lists, and we're gonna be like, what, what are we doing here? What happened here? Yeah, nobody ran hotter when it came to like quarterbacks to go from Drew Brees to Tom Brady to like I said, then you know the hottest time of the Rams offense, and then obviously Deshaun yeah. Watson last year. That is an unbelievable run for wide receivers while you know us peasants here on the outside are like <laughs> thank god terry mclaurin has ryan fitzpatrick and you know someone i don't care what religion you follow this is probably the wrong thing to say but any god out there that's listening get alan robinson a good quarterback you know like i don't care who answers the phone at this point so yeah like there's been some guys that have gone the complete opposite direction uh whereas cooks has been very i think not a product of his quarterback play because I actually think he has gotten better as he's as he's aged, which is um, I don't know, interesting to say. Like I think his best year was that 2018 or uh, 2000, hmm. 2017, 2018, whatever season uh, he played. 2018 season with the Rams, uh, I think was his best year as an individual player. And I actually think that you could really argue that the Rams' offense last year missed Brandon Cooks. Like they had to get rid of him because of the salary and all the injury questions right. and yada yada, but. I think they they missed a vertical threat in that offense badly last year, even if Jared Goff was, um, you know, coming undone at the seams. Well, I think a perfect note for us to go out on is an appeal to a higher power to get Allen Robinson a good quarterback at some point in his damn NFL career. That's that's excellent to hear. Uh, <laughs> if for some reason your podcast craving is not satisfied, uh, dear listener, you can catch the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Or you can check out the Post It Up uh, with Chris Haynes podcast for NBA Talk. Check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons. That right there is Matt is Matt Harmon underscore BYB. 
Uh, follow him for sure. Liz will be back later this week. Going to have more in the Rookie Snapshot series. Going to go over QB prospects this week. Poor Dalton Del Don is somewhere trying to convince himself that Mac Jones at three is actually a, a good and fine idea. But until then, we are out. <laughs>